I see cryptocurrencies more generally as a broad political philosophy about what it is that you find important in the world. Cryptocurrency is an entire governance model of saying, this is how decisions get made. This is how value gets distributed. We're changing the world and we'd like you to join us. Oh, and by the way, we're doing it with these tools and this technology that was never available before, which is why what we're doing is so revolutionary. Welcome to the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, I interview Erica Blair. She's a branding and marketing consultant who works in the crypto blockchain industry. And in this episode, we discuss messaging and what it takes to market your crypto blockchain company. Stay tuned. Harbor is transforming private investing with blockchain technology. Through the Harbor platform, investors can access institutional quality assets like commercial real estate, investment funds, equity in private companies, and more. Own a piece of an office building, equity in a hotel, or invest in a venture capital fund. Harbor's platform allows qualified investors to access opportunities previously out of reach through lower investment minimums and without locking up their capital for five to ten years. Restrictions apply, so visit harbor.com for more information. That's H-A-R-B-O-R.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Erica. Tell us a bit about who you are and what you're working on. Hi. Um, thanks for having me, first of all. My name is Erica Blair, and I run a boutique consultancy called Blockchain Branding, where I work on um, mostly B2C projects in the blockchain space where um, they're looking to have really powerful communication to express the big vision of the work that they're doing. Um, and so what I do typically is I work um, not only on designing branding and brand messaging for blockchain projects themselves, but I also work directly with the founders of those projects to build their personal brands in tandem with some of the other stuff that we're producing around the big vision and the why of the projects. Um, and so it's sort of a holistic look at the people and the ideas behind the biggest projects in blockchain, in the crypto space. Um, I really love digging in and working with founders who are really passionate about changing the paradigms that we use to operate with each other and to collaborate in the world. And so that's sort of my focus. Um, and uh, it takes a lot of different forms in practice. And, and I think we'll probably dive into some of those today. Yeah. And could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into all of this? Absolutely. Yeah. So I originally started out as a social media marketer, um, which I got into through running my own company. Um, I used to have an import business and I would do all the social media and all the marketing for it. Um, eventually started taking on additional clients. And I realized that a lot of people would come to me and say, hey, I want you to market my product. And I would say, all right, so who are you? What are you interested in? Why, why did you start this company? Um, what is really special about your project? Um, and they literally wouldn't have answers for those really fundamental questions that are needed to make marketing effective. Um, and so I started to realize that there was this huge need for people to really work one-on-one -on -one and have their hand held to kind of clarify these big ideas and these big whys behind the work that they're doing so that they can go forth and distribute that message to the people that they wanted to reach. And I can definitely see why that's, you know, applicable to the blockchain space as, you know, people are trying to figure that space out right now. And, you know, really it's about marketing and communication. 
so what drew you to blockchain and decentralization? I think like many of us in the space, I saw that there was this sort of return to the hopeful optimism that I had once had like maybe 10, 15 years ago. I think um, for a lot of us, at least um, our generation, Trent, I know we're around the same age. we, We kind of graduated college into this recession. There was a lot of really sort of dark times and a feeling like there was not really a lot of hope uh, out in the world to um, create the kind of future that we wanted to create. And so for me, on just a philosophical level, when I realized the power of blockchain technology and the ability to um, actually administrate some of the major social change that I had been hoping for in my younger years, that was really exciting to me to get to revisit that idea that... um, hey, you know what, we can restructure the, the, the systems that we use to run the world so that they're fair, more equitable, more collaborative. For me, that was really, really exciting. Um, and then I also, with my work and with the idea that most of what I was doing was cent- centering around helping really complex technical projects explain what they do, I was like, oh, well, what better industry than something that needs a real um, clear messaging strategy just to explain what it is that we're even working on. And that's one of the things that's interesting to me about the blockchain space is that it's not just selling people on your product. You have to literally sell customers on a complete paradigm shift in the way that they think and approach the world in order for your project to take off. And so that's a really hard um, challenge to to encounter because what we're doing is basically engineering complete behavior change among the entire world's populace. That's what's necessary in a lot of ways for crypto projects and blockchain projects to actually reach mass adoption. And so that is something that is challenging no matter which way you cut it and which takes really, really um, carefully constructed messaging in order to get in front of people and in order to actually resonate with them, right? We've seen a lot in the blockchain space that a lot of the projects that go out there um, just kind of throw a lot of technical jargon at the wall and hope that some of it sticks or resonates. Um, And what I wanted to do was to lend my voice and my, my perspective on, hey, you know what, here's how you work backwards from understanding the psychology of the people that you're trying to reach to actually resonate with them and actually penetrate and actually get a buy-in for this big vision that you're building. Mm. Well, and I mean, that's, that's part of the challenge with any new technology is how do you communicate this stuff? Uh, and gosh, I mean, you just touched on so many different things from like psychology <laughs> to, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of blockchain companies are struggling to reach users there that's the you know the number one issue here is how do you actually get users to use these applications yeah absolutely and and especially you know given the fact that when you say the word blockchain or when you say the word crypto to Uh, maybe to our ears, that's something exciting or that's something that draws us in. But when you look at the wide, wider population, you can pretty much count that around like 95 to 99% of people hear those words and find that to be a turn off. I always say, you know, blockchain makes people feel dumb. And I wish that weren't the case, but that is the case right now is that the harder that you go into in some degrees, you know, the harder you go into trying to push that we are a blockchain company, we are 
revolutionizing the world with this technology, that is a buzzword that makes most people say, okay, well then I just can't understand what you're doing. Um, rather than being the kind of intro that we want, which is to say, hey, you know what, we're, we're changing the world and we'd like you to join us. Oh, and by the way, we're, we're doing it with these tools and this technology that was never available before, which is why what we're doing is so revolutionary. Harbor is transforming private investing with blockchain technology. Through the Harbor platform, investors can access institutional quality assets like commercial real estate, investment funds, equity in private companies, and more. Own a piece of an office building, equity in a hotel, or invest in a venture capital fund. Harbor's platform allows qualified investors to access opportunities previously out of reach through lower investment minimums and without locking up their capital for 5 to 10 years. Restrictions apply, so visit harbor.com for more information. That's H-A-R-B-O-R.com. And so you actually grew up in the Bay Area. So you got to see kind of like what happened during, you know, you and I were both kids during the, you know, dot-com bubble and that whole scene. Um, So, you know, we've seen kind of the centralized tech industry. Can you talk about, you know, some of the issues that are plaguing the centralized tech industry right now? I mean, for me, one is like censorship. Um, That's a big issue that I take issue with, privacy. Um, I feel like we basically don't have any privacy anymore. Um, you know, what are, what are some of the other issues and some of the things that you saw kind of growing up in the Bay area? Uh, and you know, some of the things you want to change because the system today didn't quite go the way as we were hoping. Yeah. I find this really interesting, right? Because, um, for those of us who remember the sort of launch of Facebook, the launch of these new platforms that are now kind of entrenched, um, tech, um, giants, right? They, they're, when they started off, the ethos was very scrappy and very much like, let's reinvent the world. Let's create the kind of reality where we're all connected, where um, we are kind of taking the power from uh, the sort of old like power centers and giving it to people by enabling them to communicate directly with each other. So I actually see that, you know, there is a huge um, movement that, that got sparked by a lot of these tech companies that now they've kind of ended up on the other side of. And it's very interesting to watch how this has been shifting over like the last 10 years or so. Um, because, you know, I think for those of us who, who are, you know, we, we kind of saw, um, you know, for instance, Facebook or Wikipedia or whatever as these kind of plucky upstarts that are really um, creating a better world, it's almost a paradigm shift for us to start seeing that they're doing something wrong. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of people of our age or, or, or older, you know, we're, we may not be that suspicious of a lot of the tech projects that are going on right now or the, the companies that are really um, dominating at the moment because, you know, they have given us such additional tools to communicate with each other and to, they have basically started a lot of the people power based movements that, um, you know, I think blockchain is now continuing. That being said, they also haven't gone far enough. And I think that that has a lot to do with um, perpetuating some of the, the major sort of fundamental structures upon which capitalistic business is based, right? They, I, I don't think that it's Facebook necessarily that's done something wrong. It's that they're literally, they're responsible to shareholders. Um, they're responsible to meeting these metrics of um, what the, in, the capitalistic system has set up as the proper 
proper incentives, right? Mm -hmm. Which is to basically mine and sell data. That's their business model. And so I, I'm, I don't necessarily see it as like they're, they're ethically out of line. I see it as they're, they were started with great intentions, but that naturally the way that businesses have to be structured in this day and age in order to meet the incentive structures laid out by the kind of business models that um, have existed previously, that that naturally has a corrupting effect. And so what's really interesting to me about the blockchain world is that what we're doing is we're rethinking on a fundamental level, how do we distribute value? How do we define value? Is value dollars? Is value um, you know, data? Is value people's lives being improved? These are big questions that have to be asked, right? Because we kind of assume in our old systems that value equals money earned, value equals dollars. And I think what we're seeing is that there's a, a huge reconfiguration that's possible and that's enabled through blockchain and through cryptocurrencies more specifically, where you could really redefine the way that value is distributed and you can really recreate new incentive structures. Um, and so that's something that I'm really interested in pursuing and learning more about as I go forward and something that I hope that these bigger tech giants will start to think about um, too. And I think that it's sort of a, a matter of life or death for them, whether or not they, they realize that this is coming, um, we're all going to be having this society-wide conversation about what is value and how do we want to distribute it in our new world? Um, and how can we um, de-link that from only having dollars and cents be the only measure that we have about who's contributing and what value is created? Yeah. And I see the disconnect in, you know, money from value creation as being a major, major reason why like we had the 2008 market crash. Um, yeah. It's a major reason why we have, you know, inflation and, you know, tech valuations that probably don't reflect the actual value that these companies are bringing to society. Uh, and then you have, you know, things like Patreon and, you know, you've got crowdfunding and you've got all these other new and exciting metrics and systems for being able to make money now. And you've kind of got this new economy merging, but at the same time, it's still built on the backbone of fiat and the old system. Uh, and it's like, we're, we're kind of hacking it to, to try and make sense in this new decentralized world. I mean, you've got Lyft, you've got Uber, you know, you've got Airbnb, you've got companies that have kind of tried to decentralize, but they're still based on dollars. So they're still like kind of attached to that old value system. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see if we can really shift uh, how people value their time and their energy, especially how they interact with each other online. Because yeah. I would even argue this podcast right now, like us having this conversation, we're hopefully creating value for our list listeners. Like that's why Absolutely. I do this. Um, you know, for me, it's not about money. It's not about a paycheck. It's about, you know, talking to amazing people like yourself and, you know, having these conversations so that we can create value for others. But how do you even assign a dollar amount to that? Like, yeah. you know, there's no podcast coin right now. Um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's not necessarily a way to calculate, you know, the value that we're creating for each other and the value that we're creating for all the people who are listening to this. So that's where blockchain is really interesting because you actually can create systems to incentivize the correct behaviors. Absolutely. And, and, and even think getting away from the idea that there are correct behaviors and incorrect behaviors, right? I think what's, what's really fascinating to me is that the, the old, 
monetary system set up a binary of like you're making money and it's good or you're not making money and it's bad. Mm. Um, and I think what, what we see is that the actual world is far more, um, you could think of it as shades of gray or I actually prefer the, the concept of like a 3D sphere that there's just so, we're just moving around with all different um, value systems and, and things that are important to us in different situations, et cetera. And to have a binary of like good versus bad of this is, this is a, a, an action we want to incentivize and this is an action we don't want to incentivize to apply that to the whole world um, is what makes, has made the system that we have today where it's like, are you making money? Yes or no. Right. That's the kind of the important question in business right now versus what I think um, is being enabled. And what I'm really interested in by in decentralization is that every internal community can define their own characteristics of what they want to incentivize. Um, every single coin can, and every single project and every single token can literally define their own map of here's the actions that we like, and here's the actions that we want to, um, to, to kind of disincentivize, right? And so um, I like the flexibility for any community or any group or any project to create their own value system and to entrench that into code and have to have that start self-replicating in its own ecosystem and then have all these different ecosystems where it could be like, okay, well, do you align with this value system or that value system? Well, if you do, then you would want to put your money or your time or your energy into investing in this project, right? Versus that one. And so I kind of see cryptocurrencies more generally as a, a broad political philosophy about what it is that you find important in the world and what it is that you think that you want to forward in terms of distribution of value, in terms of um, processes for people to collaborate and work together, right? Entrenched and hidden in every single cryptocurrency is an entire governance model of saying, this is how decisions get made. This is how value gets distributed. And I like the idea of us being able to vote on what we think is resonant for us um, with our time, with our energy, with our money versus being at the, at being kind of a victim of a one size fits all system like we have right now. And you yourself, the way you live your life, you, you're kind of a digital nomad. You, you move around, you, uh, you know, you, go from place to place, you, you know, kind of leverage the best of opportunities at different times of the year. Uh, can you talk about, you know, uh, your lifestyle and how that kind of fits into, you know, your business and, you know, why you're so interested in blockchain and decentralization? I, absolutely. Yeah. I always say, you know, uh, the old term was digital nomad. The, the new term is decentralized, right? It's kind of like, and this is why I think, um, you know, I've noticed at least among the people that I hang out with who also travel the world working online, right? You can see I'm in Thailand. This is my bamboo garden back there. Um, there's a lot of us who are really drawn to this blockchain crypto world because of the fact that We've already seen that um, the sort of old ethos of you need to be in the, the power center in order to have a voice in this world has started to fall away. And that's something that amazing that internet technology has enabled is that literally because we can connect across any type of geographic barrier, um, now um, we have the opportunity to work on world-changing projects from anywhere in the world that we might be. And I think that's something that is very, very exciting to me about the way that blockchain and crypto are changing the tech world, right? Um, as you mentioned, I grew up in Palo Alto. I, I grew up a couple miles from Sand Hill Road. I'm very aware of the fact that prior to 
very, very recently, if you wanted to have your idea take off on a global scale, you needed to be close to um, the epicenter of power to have any chance of having your idea actually get traction. And what I think we're witnessing is that as the world has changed and as the internet has opened up access points all across the globe, now we are having the opportunity where people around the world can have an idea and can make it come to fruition and make it actually change the world no matter where they may be or no matter where they may live. Um, and that's really exciting to me just from like a human rights angle in the sense that how awesome is it going to be when we actually can unlock the potential of any human being across the world rather than saying only those of us who happen to be born in the U.S. or who happen to be able to acquire a visa to the U.S. can have access to capital to start projects. Um, that's a really fascinating shift for me, and I think we're seeing, we've seen that a lot um, with the way that ICOs exploded last year. You know, It's sort of like this idea that, wow, what if? You could be anywhere and still raise money for your projects. What would the world look like if we sort of decentralize um, fundraising, if we decentralize um, the ability to raise your hand and say, I have a great idea and I'd like to make it come to fruition. That's something that's really exciting to me and that I've witnessed firsthand as I've traveled the world the last 10 years. I've watched as, you know, a lot of the places that I consider my homes in this world, Chiang Mai, Thailand, Saigon, Vietnam, Boulder, Colorado, these have become hubs of people building really big things. You don't have to sell everything you own and move to the Bay Area anymore, even though I love the Bay Area. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in being there too. Um, that's such a fundamental shift that I think we're going to only, we've only started to see the ripple effects because we're really starting to unlock the potential of greater humanity on a scale that we never had access to even a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you know, it's, to me, it's been fascinating to watch this all kind of happening because, you know, when I was a kid and when I was younger growing up in the Bay area, like I saw all this technology and I thought, oh, like this is going to free us so that we don't have to go work in offices anymore and we don't have to be a part of this centralized system. And the exact opposite happened. Like everyone's like, man, I can't wait till I get a job at Facebook or Google or, you know, fill in major tech company mm -hmm. name uh, so that I can go sit in an office and, you know, be in this like centralized infrastructure and like be told when to be there, be told when I can and can't use the bathroom. Like, for me, that's not freedom. Uh, you know, I run this podcast out of my living room. Like, uh, you know, I, I've, even though I, I haven't like tried the fully decentralized lifestyle <laughs> yet, I have a dog and you know, it's <laughs> a little harder. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a beauty to being able to work anywhere that you have a laptop or even these days I leave my laptop at home and I just bring my smartphone. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we are carrying around supercomputers in our pockets. Like that is our reality. And like, we're using them to do the stupidest things ever. Um, like these phones are so capable and they have so much computing power. And like, we just like use them to go on Instagram. Um, it's insane. Like you'd think like we'd be, you know, we'd be doing something powerful with it, with this technology. And it's, uh, it's been, been interesting to see how, you know, instead, like the actual trend was the reverse, you know, we got this technology and then everybody like piled into the office and was like, okay, like now we're all in the same room, but everyone's in the same room, but not engaging with each other because they're on their phones. 
And it's like the most bizarre paradigm. Uh, and I, I don't know how we got here. Uh, and I, I'm very excited to figure out how we can get out of this. Yeah, you got to come visit Chiang Mai because uh, I'll tell you that's not the reality here, uh, fortunately. Um, it, this is a community out here that is very, very much based on the um, kind of create your own life, create your own um, work style, create your own um, freedom kind of mentality. And so um, one of the things that I've witnessed, I've, I started living um, in Thailand for the first time nine years ago, before there was a digital nomad movement, before the internet was really good out here. And so I've seen a big shift in the kind of lifestyle that people can have living in Thailand. And um, it's really quite a movement out here right now. Um, there are a lot of people who have decided that they want to work on their own terms. And that, um, you know, with the fact that we have video conferencing now, we have um, the ability to feel at least like you're connecting more deeply with people even when you're far away. Um, it's, it's really enabled a whole new work style where freedom can be something that also goes hand in hand with making a, a worldwide global scale type of impact. And that's something that's really interesting to me. I, I feel like that used to be a binary where you had to choose one or the other. Um, you could live on the fringes or on the margins of the developed world. Um, and then you would be basically sacrificing your ability to connect with people. That was sort of what it was like 10 years ago when I first came to Asia, right? We didn't have access to books. We couldn't learn new things. Um, the internet wasn't necessarily robust enough for us to just be able to pursue a brand new career, dive into a brand new industry from afar and start taking on work and taking on projects. Um, you had to move. You had to be uh, physically present with the people who are at the cutting edge. Um, now the world's completely shifted and it's been really fascinating to watch. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to invite you and anybody else who's interested to come spend the winters in Chiang Mai because I think you'd be really surprised by what's going on out here. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cold and dark in San Francisco <laughs> after about 5 p.m. So uh, mm. yeah, it sounds nice to uh, be able to go outside at this time of year. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not have to wear like three or four layers so mm -hmm. uh, and gosh I mean east coast and u.s is even worse uh, it's even colder mm -hmm. and they've got snow so um although the chill in san francisco I don't know what there is about it but like uh you can be in like 50 degree weather in san francisco and it just feels colder for some reason like even if you were in yeah. like 20 degree weather in new york it feels colder in San Francisco, like at your bones. I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's the moisture or something in the air. But um, anyways, um, you know. That's why we practice geographic arbitrage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I wanted to ask too, uh, can you talk a bit about some of the projects that you've actually worked on? Because you've worked on quite a few in this space already. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a couple of the recent ones. Um, I've just finished doing a, a new messaging strategy for Everpedia, which um, for me was a really, really awesome project to get to undertake because Everpedia is essentially one of the projects that has the strongest B2C angle within the entire blockchain space. They are truly building a product that is meant to be used by everyday average non-crypto users. Um, and so that was really exciting to me because that's a huge passion of mine is how do we get people to start just 
experiencing the benefits of this technology rather than trying to sell them on um, sort of the, the features. And so that was a, a fun, a fun exercise for me to think, okay, well, you know, not just how do we sell um, the blockchain and cryptocurrency to um, a wider audience? How do we literally sell it to everyone? Cause that's sort of the basis of Everopedia's um, main idea is that what would happen if Wikipedia could truly be edited by everyone? Because not many people understand that right now Wikipedia is actually quite a walled garden and that it's actually pretty hard for any average person to start contributing to Wikipedia. It's not quite an open forum for people to contribute their knowledge um, in the way that we might hope that it would be. And so Everpedia has built a really phenomenal product around um, really creating a Wikipedia that has every kind of information on it, not just those that uh, meet notability standards. And that's really open to, you know, people from all around the world sharing their knowledge and sharing their information in one place. So that was a really exciting project to get to try to hack. Okay. How do we make blockchain and crypto relevant to everyone? Um, and then another project I've been working on, I've been collaborating with Bancor. Um, and what we're doing is we're putting together a really interesting, event to kind of activate this idea of decentralization, activate um, this kind of vision of, hey, what would happen if we were remaking the global economy on a, a global scale? And what we're doing is we're taking over the same venue um, of uh, the Bretton Woods agreements that happened 75 years ago that sort of established the post-war monetary policy. And we're, we're holding a conference there to re-envision what a global economy might look like if it were built around ideas of collaboration and inclusion. And so these are, these are the kinds of things that I'm really interested in diving into is, you know, what do we do to bring this idea home? How can we take these massive um, shifts that we want to create in the world and actually activate people's experience of them, actually activate um, a feeling inside an everyday human that this is something worth working toward. This is something worth spending time and energy and perhaps money on supporting this cause because what we're doing is creating the kind of better world that we are all invested in creating together. Awesome. Well, I've got to ask, since this is the Hacker Noon podcast, what is some time in your life that you've had to hack something? This is really an interesting question um, for me because um, I, I would trace it all back to language hacks and understanding that the language that we use creates the reality that we experience and that others experience. And so this is a huge part of what I do in the branding and especially the brand messaging side is understanding what are the impacts of every single word that we use. And so um, when I think about hacking, I immediately just think back to every single project I've ever done because literally what I'm doing when I do brand messaging is I'm mapping, okay, what is the psychology of the person who is hearing this word and what is the effect that this word's going to create in them? And I think hacking is sort of that reverse engineering process of saying, all right, I want to create this outcome. So what do I need to do to create that outcome and sort of working um, from, from that backwards perspective. And so um, I, I, I just, jump immediately back to all of the different language patterns that I've been developing and a lot of the different projects that I've been working on. Um, just trying to understand, you know, that every single word that we publish or that we speak um, has ripple effects and generates the kind of 
impact and the kind of image that people have of the work that we're doing. And so um, for projects who are looking to get really clear on their communication, it's really important to kind of apply that hacker mentality to not only the product you're developing, but also that the words that you're using to explain it. Fully agree. Uh, and I've, I've had multiple projects myself where I've, I've had to do similar things and even, even podcasting, even writing uh, as a journalist, like, I mean, that's, it's the same thing. You, you have to understand the psychology of your audience and who you're trying to reach. Um, it's, it's not easy because you have to like, you have to you select the right words and not only the right words, but you also have to convey like the proper emotion, the proper tone. Like there's all these little nuances and then different people from different backgrounds and societies and cultures. Like it, it's, it, it just complicates it further. Um, and you have to take all of those things into consideration. So I, I've, I've worked on some branding projects myself. We actually met at a branding event, uh, at a blockchain event. So that's, uh, you know, that's how we first got connected. So I, I definitely, I feel your pain, but I also, I also empathize because like, you know, I, I've, I've been there and had to go through a lot of that as, uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and it's, it's an art. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a difficult process to really, uh, wrap your head around, but at the same time, uh, once you accomplish it, it's just amazing to see the power of when it works. Um, and once, once you make that connection and once it is resonating with people, uh, and you see the effect that it has on others, I mean, that is one of the like greatest feelings I've ever experienced. I agree. (laughs) Uh, so do you have, uh, any final thoughts here? I, I know we've covered a lot of ground. So, uh, any thoughts on anything we've discussed so far or anything new you want to say? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast are really inspired um, by the movement that we're building here in the blockchain industry and by the kind of optimistic view of the future that um, we are creating in the sense that, you know, I I think for a lot of us, the idea that we could actually fundamentally remake some of the structures of society um, along fairer, more collaborative lines is something that's really inspiring. Um, And so um, to other people who are out there who are feeling like this is a massive opportunity. I just want to encourage you to jump on this train um, because we have this uh, opportunity at this very precise moment in time for anybody who has a lot of, a lot to contribute to really make a big splash in this industry and to really guide where it's going. Um, And I think we've seen, you know, from the sort of early um, kind of adopters of crypto that, you know, we actually really need people to enter this space who are coming at it from this really optimistic, um, ethical, collaborative perspective, because what that's going to do is going to drive this new movement and drive this new technology toward the outcomes that we want to create, right? Any, Any technology that emerges can go different directions. Um, And so for those of us who are truly inspired by some of the positive angles of what this technology can enable, I just want to encourage um, you and and all of us to get involved and get our hands dirty right now, because I think this is a really pivotal moment in the blockchain industry. And I'd love to see more people who are inspired by the positivity and the optimism that this movement can create to get involved and push it toward that direction. Well, awesome. And thank you for coming on the show. Where can people find you? (laughs) 
ericablair.io. That's Erica with a C, Blair.io. That's my personal website where um, I feature the kind of speaking that I do and the podcast that I've been on. And so that'd be a great uh, place to start at least. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your optimism with us. Thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. Have a great day. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.